Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Good morning, Kaya. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. So this is not ideal, obviously. Uh, I would much rather look at all your beautiful faces and be hanging out the way we usually do on Sunday morning, but this is probably the best we can do for now. Um, At this point on your Sunday morning, you're probably in your pajamas in bed uh, with your laptop or maybe uh, you got a bowl of cereal. I don't know. But at this point, you should have already listened to Sam's Sunday morning sermon. That's right. We're going to be doing Sunday mornings just like we always have. And so uh, make sure that you're tuning in for that live at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning uh, between now and, you know, when we can meet together again face to face. And so make sure you're, you're checking that out. Also, Tuesday nights, we're going to continue on with Tuesday nights live stream 630. Uh, there'll be a link on the homepage, mbtkc.org, and you can go there and you can watch the Tuesday night prayer service. Uh, and then also we're starting something new at 10 a.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, we're going to have a new live 10-minute devotional with pastors. We're calling that a word from the Lord. Um, and you're going to get to sit down and, and hear the heart of your pastors from uh, what they're studying in the word. And, and so that should be a good time as well. So tune in for that every day at 10 a.m. So those are some of the things we got going on. Uh, also, I want to mention that if you're an LFBI, please stay with that. Uh, We're going to meet every Saturday, just like we always have. Uh, Get online. If you're in D2, get online, watch live. Uh, If you are looking for something to do, maybe you have a little bit more free time. Maybe you're out of school. Uh, Maybe you've got uh, some adapted studies. You're doing stuff online. The semester just got super easy all of a sudden. Maybe you're at home doing work from home and you've got some free time to listen to lectures. I would highly recommend enrolling in the sevens course. And if you're in D2, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. I'm inviting you to sign up for sevens. You've got my permission. It's an eight-week course. We're already two weeks in, but I don't think that's a problem. I think you can get caught up really easily on the lectures. Uh, But sevens is a numerology class. And so we're looking at all the different ways that the the, uh, number seven is used in the Word of God. And uh, it's a pretty amazing study, and it uh, unlocks a lot of, of doctrinal stuff that's really good for you to understand. And so if you are looking for something to do rather than, you know, spending all your time watching Netflix, uh, even I actually just finish, finished all the episodes of Mandalorian on Disney plus. So I highly recommend that show. It was very good. But now that we finished that, uh, I'm bored. And so, um, so I've, I've got to have, I've got to have stuff to fill my time with maybe some more reading, more, more LFBI studies myself. So, Anyway, if you're looking for something to do, I would I would recommend signing up for Sevens. You can do that online at lfbi.org. Uh, I believe you can just click on the link. If you got questions about that, reach out to Lori Morgan L Morgan at lfbi.org is how you can reach her e- through email. Um, so I don't really know how to do this, so we're gonna do our best. I'm gonna take a drink of water. If this couldn't get any more awkward, I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna do things like that. I'm also going to be looking at my screen up here that's got all my notes on it. So be ready for that if I'm looking up. Uh, But anyway, let's pray and let's get into it. Acts chapter 14 verses 19 through 23 is where we're going to be spending our time today. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I love your word. I ask that you'd set me aside and you'd take uh, this awkward way of preaching. It just seems a little bit unnatural that you would set me aside and that your word would be clearly communicated. We need a word of encouragement today. We need to figure out what it means to minister in light of our current circumstances. And I think this passage helps us to better understand who we're supposed to be in trying times and, and, and difficulty. And so, Lord, teach us. Uh, again, show us the pattern that you established in, in your Apostle Paul and help us to learn how we can take the same types of risks that, that Paul did. Uh, Lord, we love you and your word is so precious to us. And uh, we do desire to be disciples uh, in, in word and in deed. And so help us to know how to do that. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Let's get into it. Uh, Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. If you want to follow along, I've posted the PowerPoint on kaya.live. And so you can go there and, and get the PDF and you can follow along and take notes. If that's something that you want to do, that's available to you. Uh, the, the name of the message is Proof of God's Power. And uh, what we're going to see is that Paul, uh, through his life, through his actions in the following verses, is that he proves the authority and the power of the gospel message that he carries. And so verse 19 says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. And so uh, just to follow up from where we've been, uh, Paul is in Lystra, and he's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And he just recently healed a man, and it's created quite a stir. In fact, the people of Lystra, uh, who were pagan in their worship, believed that Paul and Barnabas were actually the Roman gods, uh, Mercury and Jupiter. And so they wanted to worship them. They wanted to make sacrifice to them and they made a big to-do about it. And, and, then, and so Paul, resisting that worship, uh, fell all over himself, rent his clothes, cried out, and uh, persuaded them barely to not make sacrifices to him and Barnabas. And so there's quite a stir going on in Lystra. And then to make matters stranger and, and worse, uh, we see that the Jews show up. They're following uh, Paul and Barnabas from city to city and trying to dissuade the people and, and try to convince the people that the message that Paul and Barnabas carry about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is invalid. And uh, as they stir the people up here in Lystra, uh, they convince them to stone Paul. And so Paul takes a beating and they think that Paul is dead. Uh, they think that they've killed, they're convinced, says that they supposed, which means that they were completely persuaded, completely convinced that Paul was dead. And they take him and they dump him outside of the city as if he was garbage. And so that's the situation. Now, I want to pause here and, and just briefly say that it's probably important for us to reconsider what Satan is up to. And we know that the devil has an agenda and he's always at war trying to... Uh, compromise the gospel message wherever it goes. He is at war against Christ and against Christ's people. And so what is he doing? Uh, what is his plan here in um, in Acts chapter 14? What is it that he's up to? And if you remember earlier on in Acts, we talked about how Satan's plan escalates as, as the gospel message uh, continues to grow. And as the faith of God's people continues to be uh, established. And so what we see early on with Peter is that, um, you know, the threatenings aren't working. 
you know, that Satan is using threatenings and even beatings. And then it continues to escalate to the point where Stephen is killed and, and, and the deacon uh, James is killed and people start dying. And so, so Satan is escalating his agenda as the faithfulness of the people continue to prove itself. They're going to trust the Lord and nothing is going to keep them from that. So he resorts to uh, physical attack and even the death of uh, Christ followers, the death of, of, of the disciples. And so this is par for the course for Satan. And so we find him uh, committing to physical attack against Paul. And so the people stone Paul and drag him outside of the city. And so what is Satan's objective? That's what we want to talk about. What is his objective? And his first objective is to silence the disciples. Obviously, he wants to make them quiet. He doesn't want the message of the gospel being propagated uh, to people who don't yet know it or who have who've heard it yet. And so he's doing everything he can to prevent that. And uh, he knows the, the the threat that Paul poses. He knows at this point that, that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And he knows the effectiveness of Paul's preaching. And he sees that it's beginning to take root, that this first missionary uh, journey is beginning to be effective. And so he believes that the best way, the best course of action is to have Paul killed. And so um, he's in the ears of these Jewish leaders. He's in the ears of the people of Lystra. They, they, they stone him and they drag him outside of the city. And this is a reminder to us that we need to acknowledge who Satan is. We need to know that he has our number. He's watching those who are committed to the work of Jesus Christ. And he has plans and strategies that he's executing in order to silence us. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he very much wants to devour God's people. And, uh, and, and so we have to be completely aware of that. And so that leads us to our first key point. We need to be sober and we need to be vig- vigilant because Satan has plans to silence his enemies. And that includes us. And so in this season, that seems very, very uh, real. Uh he wants to silence us. And so um, regardless of the, this, this, you know, the complexities of the coronavirus and all the things that we can talk about, we can talk about the ways that God is using it in the church. We can talk about the ways that Satan is using it in the world, the way he's using it to distract his people. Ultimately, what we need to understand is that in this season when we can't meet, when we can't be on college campuses, when we cannot be in our workplaces, and it seems as though we've been silenced, that that is the, the actual goal of Satan, is to keep us quiet. And uh, he's been effective at that so far. And, um, you know, in our ministry, we've seen over the last year, we've seen brothers and sisters who, who have pronounced the faith in Jesus Christ, uh, people who we considered to be disciples that, that stood with us. We've seen Satan silence people. And uh, we've seen them tempted. We've seen them distracted. We've seen them dissuaded. We've seen them walk away from the faith. And in this moment, he wants to do that very same thing with us. And and he's going to use our isolation uh, to do that. At least in his mind, that's what he thinks he's doing. He wants to use Netflix and those types of distractions, hours and hours of binging uh, on Disney+. Plus. He wants to use those things to keep us from his work and uh, from God's work and from God's will Um, That is preaching the gospel. The other thing that Satan wants to do in Paul's life is uh, is silence him, but he also wants to uh, discourage the people. And so the stoning of Paul 
works to discourage the people of Lystra. Uh, he wants the people of Lystra to see that Jesus Christ is nothing and that his resurrection is false. And so if if he can uh, cause harm to Paul, that some way that devalues the message of Paul and uh, whatever it is, whatever message of hope that he brought to the people of Lystra, that that is actually just as weak as Paul's body is weak. And that if Paul can be silenced, if he can be you know, beaten to death and dragged outside of the city, that somehow that's reflective of the power and the authority of the gospel message itself. And so suddenly uh, he wants to discourage and make the message of Paul as weak as Paul's body is. And we know that that's just not true. We know that the gospel message is the most powerful thing in the world. We know that that, that, that the message of the gospel has the power and the authority to set people free and give them life eternally. But if Satan can convince people that the message is actually weak and and doesn't have any value and and doesn't carry any hope, and there isn't a message of resurrection there, um, then he's won. And so that's the the goal is he's working hard to to discourage the people uh, that have just heard the gospel message. And uh, and so, man, he's done really uh, an effective job. So from here, I want to talk about the way that God uses Paul's life to prove the power and the authority of the of the gospel. And so there is a response here. Paul is responding in, in these verses uh, to what has just happened to him. He is a man of faith, and God proves his own power through Paul's life. And so uh, what happens, let's look at the let's look at the verses. Verse 20, it says, How be it as the disciples stood round about him, Paul. He rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So what is going on here? How is it that God is proving himself? So the first thing that Paul does, or that God does is he proves that he's powerful enough. He's powerful enough for every circumstance. He's powerful enough uh, to, to, to even uh, heal Paul's body and uh, allow him to raise back up uh, from at a bare minimum, a very serious beating and and maybe even death. Some would suggest that in this moment of Paul stoning, that the story correlates itself with 2 Timothy chapter 12. And so let's just take a sidebar here to address that. In 2 Corinthians 12, we see Paul tell a very reluctant story. He doesn't, he, he is very careful with the way that he uses his words here because he doesn't want to communicate too much. This is, in some regards, this is a mystery to us and even a mystery to him. But he tells this story about uh, him going and seeing the third heaven. Okay, so let's just read the verse and and I'll do my best to explain what's going on here. 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And so here he goes, he starts speaking in third person here, and he says, I knew a man, he's referring to himself, in Christ above 14 years ago. Okay, so this is what, what I mean by correlates. This passage, uh, some would suggest, because he's telling the story 14 years later, that it actually correlates with the story that we see here in Acts chapter 14, that the timeline lines up. And so it says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. 
God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. So he's telling us a story about how um, he saw the, the glory of heaven. Now, what he says is he doesn't know whether or not he was dead, whether it was in body or out of body. He doesn't know if he was dead. He doesn't know if it was a vision that he was on the doorstep of death. And this was a vision that came to him. Maybe his soul and spirit were present in heaven. Uh, and then he comes back and repopulates his body. We don't. He doesn't even understand what, what's happening here. And so I don't think it's right for us to presuppose either. All we know is that maybe he was dead, maybe he wasn't. And that somehow this looks very similar to what we see going on in Acts chapter 14. Now, now 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that that Paul faced deaths oft, which means that he was on the doorstep of death many, many times, if not maybe actually died several times and was raised from the dead. Um, again, I don't want to presuppose. All I know is that, that Paul faced death many times and, and that, that he was hardcore. And uh, so as the story goes on in verse 3, it says, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And I think that should be our position as well. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Okay, so there's a lot to say there, but to keep it simple... In other words, uh, he was taken up to the third heaven, and he sees a vision of the glory of heaven, if not bodily, uh, you know, maybe in his spirit, but he sees heaven. And what he saw and heard, he was prohibited, prohibited to even speak to us here in this passage. There's things that he has to leave out. All we know is that he saw the glory of heaven and that there are unspeakable truths uh, that, that, that are there and that it was amazing to him. But he, that he would find himself returning to his body and to the infirmities of his body. So in other words, he was only in heaven momentarily, but then he returns back to the, to the decrepitness of his own body. And we know that in Acts chapter 14, obviously, he'd been beaten almost to death. And so his body endured a, a quite a bit of pain. And so he, it would make sense that in this case, uh, this story, uh, that he's returning back to his previously stoned body to take on the pain and the suffering. Now in Acts chapter 12, it goes on to talk about the, the thorn in his flesh, the infirmity that he had to carry. He prayed about it three times. God, take this, this suffering away from me. And God didn't allow him to, to, for that suffering to be removed. So what we have here is a pretty wild story. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right, that we know for a fact that in Acts chapter 14, that Paul was beaten almost to death, if not to death, and that potentially Acts chapter 12, this, this story that he tells correlates. Either way, we know that Paul has seen the third, he third heaven. And here's our key point. Any person that knows the glory of heaven will not fear the trials of this earth. Any person that knows and has seen the glory of heaven, that, that knows the truth and the actuality between what lies beyond the veil in no way has even the capacity to fear men or fear circumstances here on this earth. No pain or suffering or difficulty 
um, even a half beaten, you know, a, a body that's been stoned, uh, that holds no fear. Uh, even the pains and the sufferings of this earth, they, they, they don't compare to the power, the glory, and the majesty of heaven and waits for us. And so what we know is that when Paul stands up here and he raises to his feet and he walks back into Lystra, that he is a man that is fearless. I mean, what, what kind of person is, uh, is beaten by a mob, thrown outside of the city, and then goes right back into that city? That is a man that, that is not afraid of, of, of their circumstances. And man, that's a powerful testimony for us right now. And we need to ask that very same question concerning our circumstances. Do we believe that God is powerful enough to raise people from the dead? And, and if he is powerful enough to raise people from the dead, then he is powerful enough to deal with the circumstances and the trials of our current situation. I mean, I think a lot of people have a lot of fear right now. I think a lot of people... Uh, don't know what they're going to do with themselves. I think a lot of people are struggling with anxiety that comes with isolation, the depression of being alone or or being, um, you know, in the silence of their own home. A lot of people don't know how they're going to worship. A lot of pastors right now are fearing what church is going to look like moving forward. There's a lot of reasons. All of the questions that come with the the the, the place that we're at right now, all of those questions can promote anxiety and fear. And I want to say that if we know and if we can even get a glimpse of what it looks like, uh, uh, you know, to know Jesus Christ, uh, to know what it means uh, to be his friend, to know what it means to be a part of the fellowship of his sufferings, to know the power and the glory, glory and the authority of his resurrection. If we can get just a glimpse of what it means uh, to, to have an inheritance in heaven. If we can imagine just for a moment the glory that waits for us beyond this life, then what really do we have to fear uh, on earth? Um, you know, the, the rumors uh, that, that circulate uh, about all, I mean, there's all kinds of rumors that are going, what are the next weeks, months, what are they going to hold? And we don't know. And my point is, what difference does it make? If we know Jesus Christ and we know what lies beyond uh, this life and we know what awaits us, there is nothing to fear and we can stand in his power. First John 4, 4 says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he, than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so we need to not subscribe to the spirit of error. And we need to not subscribe to the theories and the the, the, the fears that come with listening to the many, many voices and the talking heads in this world. People are saying all kinds of things. We don't need to be deterred by that. We don't need to be afraid by that. We need to simply believe that our Savior has sealed us. And that we have a destiny and that destiny has everything to do with knowing him and a place that he set aside for us in heaven. And so it allows us to function in power and authority. Um, and so, you know, just to paint the picture for you, uh, as the disciples stand around this body of Paul, you can imagine, you know, the, the few converts that he saw in Lystra 
probably including uh, Timothy. They're standing around the body of Paul and they're discouraged and they don't know what to think. The man that just preached the gospel to them, the man that's been teaching them and, and, and edifying them and strengthening them in the, in the word, they're standing around his body that they suppose is dead. And then suddenly it raises up. And uh, it says, how be it as the disciples stood round about him, encircled him, uh, he rose up. And so their courage returned to them because the power of God was proven to them. And so when I say that Paul proved that God is powerful enough, I mean that, that he was powerful enough to raise the dead. And so he's powerful enough to save the soul. And he's powerful enough to get us through every single day, day by day. He's powerful enough to see us through every trial and discouraging moment that we might face. And so by standing up and walking right back into that city, he proved to everyone, everyone, everyone in that community, that there is a God and that uh, that he's greater than any other God on this earth, that he is the one true God. And he proved that out. And then he goes on uh, to prove uh, by walking back into the city, he proves that God and the gospel message is worth the risk. So obviously by walking back into the, the, the city, walking back into Lystra, he puts himself back at risk again. Uh, who says that these guys wouldn't just go and beat him again? But he's not afraid of that. And he is expressing that it's worth the risk to go back into the city to prove the power of Jesus Christ. He truly was a man without fear. And so he proves to the entire community in Lystra that the message that he carries is valid and powerful and worth him risking his life again and again and again and again. And it was a statement to them that nothing would keep him from executing the vow that he made to Christ on the road to Damascus. And so if you go back to the moment that Paul met Jesus Christ, uh, you know, when Christ comes to him on the road to Damascus, he cries out to that, that bright and shining light, to that voice of Jesus Christ. He cries out. He says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? That's what he says. He says, Christ. If this is you, show me what I should do with the rest of my life. Who is it that I'm supposed to be now that I know who you are and you've revealed yourself to me? Who is it that I'm supposed to be? Who is it that I'm supposed to, what, what kind of identity is it that I should have? And, and uh, the Lord makes that clear to him through Ananias in verse 15. It says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so, man, God had a plan for Paul. And Paul knew what that plan was. It was to preach the gospel message to the Gentiles, and it was to suffer for his name's sake. That he must suffer for my name's sake. Man, we have to know that just like Paul, we are going to face suffering and we have to accept that fact. And so key point, your life should prove the gospel by the way you risk your life and reputation. In other words, knowing that our calling is to preach the gospel message and we know that what that comes with that is suffering uh, and great risk, then we should acknowledge that and we should accept it and that we should be devoted to proving the gospel message regardless of the risk and regardless of what it does to our reputation. And so I want to I want to leave you with this. In this season of isolation in your homes, okay? How is it that you can prove the power of the gospel? Well, I mean, we can't go onto the college campuses, we can't have Bible study, we can't meet new people. Uh, it becomes 
really, really difficult for us to minister face to face. Is that going to somehow prevent you from proving the gospel? And so how are you going to do it? You know that that's your responsibility. You know that's who you're supposed to be. You know that you're supposed to have a a testimony among the lost. So what is it that you're going to do? Um, You know, in our lack of mobility, is there a way for us to continue to make the message of Jesus Christ known? And I would suggest that the use of media is is probably the only way right now for you to proclaim the gospel message. And that's going to require of you uh, taking great risks. A lot of us, you know, our presence online, our identity online is very precious to us and we, we've preserved it and, we, and we've maybe even created, you know, a brand for ourselves on social media. And there's a certain aspect uh, that's, that, that we've preserved in our social media presence and, and maybe it, we're not accustomed to using it as a platform to share the gospel. Well, I want to tell you right now that that's probably got to change. That if you're going to proclaim the gospel, that means that you need to start using Facebook and Instagram to do it. And uh, and that means maybe taking a risk with your reputation. Maybe that means, um, you know, for some of you who've, who've, you know, neglected your Facebook account for a long time, well, maybe it's time to pick it back up and to start using it uh, to share, to share messages, uh, to, to share, uh, you know, the live stream that Sam is going to be preaching on Sunday mornings. And maybe people who are on online right now in a way that they haven't been for a really long time are going to start watching some of the Sunday services. Maybe people who need hope need those messages. And so sharing the Living Faith Fellowship blog, sharing the the, the podcasts, and, and making sure that you're putting out into the, the, your social media sphere uh, messages of the gospel. Maybe that's that's something that you need to do. And, and maybe you're going to have to count the cost and risk your reputation in that way. This is what I want to suggest, though. More than any of all of that, I want to challenge you right now, if I can. I want to challenge you to record a five to ten minute testimony of how you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So get out your laptop and sit down. Maybe maybe it's going to take you scripting it and, and getting it all down. And maybe it's going to take a little bit of practice before you're comfortable sitting in front of the camera and and sharing that testimony. Uh, but I want to say, man, it would be a really amazing thing if if all of the people in Kaya, all of the young people in Kaya decided to sit down and record their gospel message uh, and then post that to their social media and uh, and risk their reputation and make their story known and proclaim the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and to tell the story of how you came to know Jesus and put that out so that your friends and your family members and people from your past, old friends from your youth and your childhood could hear what God has done in your life and why you can have hope even right now in this season where everyone else is freaking out. You can have you can have peace. I want to challenge you to record that message and, and to put it on YouTube or to post it to your Facebook page and share it out with as many people as possible and just let people know what God has done in your life. I, th- I think, you know... If Paul was willing to endure what he was willing to endure, and if he was willing to adapt his circumstances, and if he was willing to function in the pattern of ministry, regardless of what he faced, and regardless of the suffering, regardless of the trial, I think that we can deal with this trial. I don't think that we have to be afraid 
you know, of, of what's going on in the world. I think that we can live in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And I think that we can continue to risk our reputations and to ris- risk our, you know, comfort for the sake of proclaiming the gospel message. And so I want to challenge you in this way. Obviously, I, I'm not going to mandate this, but I want to, I want to challenge you. Take some time, record your testimony, share it out, and make it known to people who are sitting around, fiddling around on Facebook, don't know what to do with themselves. Maybe they'll stop and pause and take five minutes to listen to what God's done in your life. And maybe on the other side of all of this, we'll have new disciples, new people who are interested in following Jesus Christ with everything that they have because because you decided to take a risk in this time of isolation when it seems like in terms of ministry, your hands were cuffed. Like you, could, like you couldn't do anything. Uh, man, that's just so not true. God is going to make a way for you to establish a pattern of ministry. And I think that he wants to use uh, your Facebook account, your Instagram account. I think that he wants to use those platforms to make sure that his gospel message presents itself as powerful and, and hopeful in a time where it seems like there's not much hope. I love you. That's, that's what I have to communicate. That's the message for Kaya this week. I'll have another one for you next week. Let's pray right now and ask the Lord to be with us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time. Um, man, I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that this time would be would have been profitable and that, that our time in Acts chapter 14 would encourage many people to take new risks. And that means sharing their testimony. That means getting online and, and making the gospel message known. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be creative as it concerns sharing the gospel uh, in this season, that we would we would find ways to reach out to family members and friends and people that we're connected to, or that we'd be willing to share our faith, make phone calls, uh, FaceTime with people, post things, or that that would be uh, encouraging and powerful. But most of all, Lord, that they would point there would point people to the way of Jesus Christ. Uh, that 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 beautiful story, that old story of how you sent your only Son. Uh, to die for our sins and to be raised again, that we might be made set free and that we can find forgiveness in him. Such a simple message that we can all declare, God, teach us, show us how to make your gospel known over the next few weeks and months. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name and so thankful for who he is in my life. Lord, uh, help us to risk it all. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. I hope to see you soon. If not, we'll continue to meet this way and go in peace uh, and in the authority of Jesus Christ. All right. I love you. Goodbye. How do I do this? that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.